0: Hello and welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Fire
1: and Rice Podcast. Eugene and I are here with Jackson Mooney. Woo! Woo! You have no idea how excited I am to talk with you, Jackson.
2: It's my pleasure, Drew. My pleasure to be
1: here. And uh, you're just as handsome as Eugene and I, bro. Oh, praise God. (laughs) so hey yeah
2: yeah how old are you anyways i'm 23 and but i'm turning 24 on the 2nd of september so it's coming up
1: got any plans for your birthday
2: my parents and my family and i actually will get the chance to celebrate while i'm here at home before i go back to college i go back to college at union university in tennessee
1: so jackson is the son of steve mooney who, by the way, has one of our most popular episodes, huh, Eugene? <laughs> he leaped right to the top in no time. Thank you, listeners, for your continued support. We're getting quite the response. Seems like there's a hunger out there for Holy Spirit conversations and something's catching. But okay, so Jackson is the son of Steve Mooney who talked to us about his fight against Lyme disease for his son. And one of the comments I received was, you know what would be so cool, Drew? if y'all could get Jackson's side of the story, Mm. you know? And then when somebody said that, I was like, holy smokes, that is money right there. So I texted Steve and Steve was like, that would be awesome. Thank
2: you, brother. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Jackson. Thank you, Eugene. And I want to let you guys know ahead of time that I didn't hear my dad's testimony of my story with you guys yet, because I wanted to be able to share my side without the influence of what my dad shared and just let Holy Spirit lead and see what things intersect or align. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: Thank
1: you so much for that, Jackson. Oh my gosh. That's That's so so pure, pure. man. It's really about those that are struggling with Lyme and just don't ever have a voice, you know, and we all know what it's like to feel like we're not understood or kind of lost in translation and alone. And I oh man, I really believe this is from God mm-hmm. uh, for those that are actually still struggling with Lyme or have overcome Lyme to get their context so that those of us that are trying to support can actually support. Yes. People are like, can, how can we help? How can we help? But it's like, uh, you're saying all these ignorant things, right? Yes. So, <laughs> and it takes so much patience and security and really the devil can have a field day on you, can he? Mm-hmm. If we don't have. God's renewing power, God's renewing truth
2: Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis for everyone in the family. Yes. I have family members who have struggled with autoimmune disorders and Lyme disease, extended family, and I believe that they would benefit a lot from this podcast. There is a lot that has to do with the renewing of the mind I've learned Mm. and my healing. And I'd love to share with you guys more about that renewing your mind. Where do you want to begin? I know
1: you can just tell us your whole story, bro. However you feel led.
2: Yeah, brother. Uh, I'd like to start by sharing that um, about my childhood. I had a, I had a great childhood. I just had some food allergies. And at the time I didn't, you know, think much of it. I would go to a friend's house and I would be the person ordering gluten-free pizza Mm. while everyone had regular pizza with cheese and everything. And, you know, I would feel like I was. The odd one out a little bit, but I did not take it too personally because I could run, I could play, I could jump, I could play soccer with everybody. I could partake with what people were doing for their birthday parties. When I would go to school, during recess, I could do it all. It was during lunchtime that this happened, that I was hungry for lunch. I was ready to get going. And as soon as I had lunch, my normal routine would be to go play soccer with my friends afterwards. But this time it was different. I sat down and my eyes began to be cloudy. My vision was very cloudy and everything around me was almost deafening. It was like the noise was becoming very muted. In that moment, I started to have a panic attack and I couldn't understand what was going on. My first reaction was to get up from my seat to go to the nurse's office. And on my way there, I blacked out and I passed out. Oh my gosh. And um I remember waking up and a friend of mine is trying to help me up out of my stupor. And I'm waiting in the nurse's office, discombobulated. And my mom comes and she's there helping me and getting me home early. And then we go to the doctor's office. We go to this specialist that we've seen for a while for food allergies and certain things. I was diagnosed for Lyme disease. My specialist knew to test for Lyme because it is an autoimmune disorder, which means that your immune system attacks itself. And at the time, I was very confused and I felt like when I would go to school, there was always this fear, this trepidation that I would go to school and I didn't know if I could trust my body. Mm. If I was able to interact with my friends and my peers or in another, I would black out. Oh my gosh. And so I pulled back sometimes from my friend groups. And then over time, I started to feel more fatigued. I would have days throughout the week where I would be at school for three days a week and then I would be off two days a week and I would be home with my mom and she'd be taking care of me. And so that was just a very challenging time for me. What age are you at at this point? I was about 10 years old when this all happened. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I was uh home for about two days a week and at school three days a week. And I made it through all of an elementary school. And by the time I'm in middle school, in the seventh grade, I've gotten a bit sicker. I actually now need a wheelchair in my life because my legs feel like elephant legs. Mm. When I wake up in the morning, I feel exhausted. When I get to school, I feel depleted in my energy. And um, and now I'm missing more school. So I remember this whole gap in my seventh grade year where I missed a good month or so being sick at home, getting flus and a lot of the different sicknesses that compounded. But I remember going to school in a wheelchair. I wanted to participate in all that I could do. And I remember in PE, we did the mile for our class. And I remember doing the mile in my wheelchair, just rolling with my arms. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what it was. I just really wanted to to participate. Wow. Um, You're a champion, Jackson. <laughs> you are a champion. <laughs> Thank you. And whether I had my legs or not, but eighth grade, I pretty much missed most of school. And I had a tutor coming in that year, helping me homeschool through a home and hospital program. And that was the majority of my high school years as well. I felt isolated. I was at home for most of the time. My mom was taking care of me. I would spend my time watching movies and my love of music grew out of that time. I remember banging on my piano if I was having a bad day, that's how I'd get out all my emotions. Or I would identify with um, some of the motifs and the melodies in a, a film score, like from Lord of the Rings or Narnia. And I would hear the soundtrack and my dad would come in the room saying, Jackson, why are you seeing that movie Lord of the Rings for the seventh time. And I, I would tell him (laughs) (laughs) I love the soundtrack. I love the music. Yeah. And. Oh, wow. It comforted you. Yeah. And it comforted me. Mm. If I didn't have a person to talk to throughout the day, I would just start relating to the characters and and things like that. And I kind of got lost in my little world there, but I saw the Lord taking that time and redeeming that time Mm. because out of that, I began to pick up piano, guitar, and singing. Yeah, I just remember being able to pick up a soundtrack or something I listened to from a movie and play it on my piano. And then the whole world opened up to me from that. But everything changed, I would have to say, at the point when my dad and I went to Mexico. So we went to a mission trip.
1: Yeah, Jackson, before you go into that, sorry to interrupt, I'm so... (laughs) <laughs> my heart is so open and intrigued and excited at the same time, but do you, you siblings right? you have two brothers? Yes, I have two younger brothers, so I'm the oldest. so two younger brothers so how what was that like for them and your interaction with them and growing up having siblings
2: and while you're fighting this? Yeah, so my brothers, Ethan and Nate, I would be home, and my brothers would be off at school, so it would be me at home most of the time at the time, my brothers would treat me just the same way as if I were healthy. Mm. And that's what I really appreciated about them too, because we would do things in the afternoon when they would be home. Some days I wouldn't be walking, but they'd still be my brothers. Mm. We would hang out in the garage. My dad pretty much changed our garage into a jungle gym Uh where we'd have rope swings and these big foam bags, like bean bags and just, yeah, and just have fun. And that would be our hangout. So other people, maybe other kids, they wouldn't treat you the same. Yeah. Well, because my brothers knew me so well, Yeah, they just, they knew that this is my brother, Jackson. This is who he is, you know, personality. They knew they were aware of what I was going through. I always felt like I was treated the same, hmm. but whenever I would go to school, I just felt like I'm in a wheelchair. People are looking at me a little bit differently. I wanted to participate and be a peer to people. But at the same time, I felt distant a little bit from my peers because they would look at me and say, how are you, Jackson? Are you doing okay? Are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. But I would just like to be every other kid. I would like to go play football in the grass field in my middle school. I would like to play basketball. I loved playing basketball when I was younger. And I was on the, the basketball team in sixth grade when I was still in a pretty healthy place. After that, I couldn't really play sports very much. And that was very hard. By this point, I was struggling with depression. And I was about 17 years old, just from the isolation. But the going to this trip gave me a lot of hope. It gave me expectation to see what's God going to do and and maybe going to a new place will be something different and mm. offer something new.
1: Oh yeah. So what was your faith like? Did you always believe? Or were you, you just grew up from your parents. I know your mom, she came to faith later in life as well. Yes. Yeah. Y'all got quite the diverse story. It's not like cookie cutter, you know?
2: No. <laughs> and that's a really important detail, Drew. Thanks for bringing that up because, um, We all grew up in the church together and I love the Lord, but at the time I was trying to reconcile what was going on with my body and my mind to what the Lord was doing or to his will. And the problem was that I believed that God was allowing me to be sick because he was either teaching me a lesson or maybe he was punishing me. And The perspective was distorted Mm. to the point where I came to a place around 16, 17, where I identified with sickness as something that the Lord had for me in my life, according to his will. And that became my identity. I was the sick person. Mm. I just was in a state of mind where I was trying to reconcile and make sense of what was going on as a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah. Very well
1: said, Jackson. Okay. So you grew up in the church. So did you always
2: identify? You always had pure faith in God from early on? Yeah. I would say at eight to nine years old, before the incident even happened, I was aware of God. I, I just thought of myself as I'm a kid who knows about God and I'm in a good Christian family and a home and I didn't think twice about it very much. Mm. But as soon as I lost my abilities, like my faculties, I started looking at God more. But I still had this perspective. Even at 10 years old, I remember trying to figure things out and reconcile with this anxiety because I began to see God a certain way. Yeah. But it wasn't according to his word necessarily. Yeah.
1: Well, it's easy to be mad and angry. Yeah. It's like, why does this happen to me? And if you're such a good God, and you can do something about it, why don't you help me? When you got all these people trying to pray for me, and yes,
2: what what is this, right? Yes. And what's interesting to me is that there were times where I feel angry, but there was this component in my life where I don't know what it was, but I was almost saying to God, you know, I I I, I can take it. If this is for me, it's for me. And so there was almost not necessarily a complacency, but I gave it permission. Mm. I gave the feelings I was feeling permission because it was almost an acceptance. If I couldn't accept what was happening with me, I was afraid of of what I would start feeling because of my emotions. Mm. There are certain days where I would feel angry and sad. Yeah, yeah. But this thing with my sickness was so intertwined with my relationship with God that it was so hard to separate that. It was hard to separate that.
0: Wow. Yeah. And to explore the other side of that, there's the fear and the anger. Yeah. But as you're mentioning too, the other side of that is accepting it that maybe God is trying to teach me a lesson. Yeah. So what is that narrative
2: like? How was that narrative developing in your mind? So at that time... If I wasn't playing soccer with my friends at the time, or I thought to myself, maybe God is setting me apart in a different way. Or I felt maybe that I'm special because I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. And so it became a question of identity because if I couldn't do what other people were doing, then I would want to look for the nearest thing that my identity could grab onto. And, and that was sickness. So. I began to identify with suffering at a young age. I couldn't use the words then that I am now as a 10-year-old kid with my brain and everything processing. I just, I wouldn't be able to probably even express to my parents what I was feeling in that moment. Mm. All I knew was that I felt isolated. I felt alone. Yeah. And the next thing I could grab onto was God, but sickness for some reason was a part of this plant in my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Well said. So thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep moving to the trip
1: to Mexico now.
2: Yes. So at that point, you know, um, I have this mindset, right? And I'm thinking sickness is a part of God's plan. But that gets flipped upside down when I go to the mission trip to Mexico. And that's when things start to shift in my life. At 17 years old, I'm about a junior in high school at this point. And I'm not going to school, but it's an opportunity for me to still see peers that I know from church. And so this was a wonderful opportunity. And my parents, they thought it would be very good for me. And I had a desire to go, but I always in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, well, what if I don't feel well? Or, you know, you know, mm. at that time, you, you get these feelings or and for me, it was always about. Keeping myself in check, you know, what's going to happen if I do something different like that, or if I go to a different country, or if I go to a place, there was something in the back of my mind where there was this trepidation and fear. Yeah. But God was ordering my steps, and he brought me there Mm. with my dad. and. And we go and my dad will relay the story that it was his life at that point was transformative. God did something transformative in his life at that point too. Mm. And it was at that junction, I think, between me and my dad that God start to move in both of our lives, which is why the testimony resonates. It's so strong for my dad, as well as for me, because I felt in that moment, my identity began to form in fatherhood and the love of the father when I began to see transformation in my own earthly dad.
0: Mm.
2: Whoa. So I met this guy, Bob. His name is Mm -hmm. Bob, but he looked like Jesus out in Mexico.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah,
2: basically you're saying long hair. Long haired, beard. Wearing sandals. (laughs) He looked, he had this wonderful gaze when he look at you, and you get lost in his eyes. Wow! Jesus disguises yeah. <laughs> Bob. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Bob. But he was a guy that I met, and after we went in our sites when we were in Mexico, we would just talk with Bob at the end of the day at the cafeteria where we eat our food. My dad came to Bob one day and showed me a video of me having a seizure. Oh! In the video. I was convulsing and everything and my and Bob told my dad to delete that video instantly. Mm. My dad says, "Why? Why should I do that?" And he said, "Because what is happening to your son, what you're doing is you're glorifying what the enemy's trying to do to your son. But what the Lord wants to do for your son is what God wants to show you." Wow. And so Bob was a prophet he told my dad that I'm going to be healed. But in order for that to happen, my mom is exhausted. She needs to stop fighting. You mm. need to begin to fight for your family. Mm. I, just to give you a little bit of backstory, my dad might have shared this already, but he was angry at God mm. for what was happening to his son. Mm. And my mom, being the number one caretaker and nurse, of me she was exhausted but she kept doing it because she loved me but bob saw in the spirit that my dad he was angry but it was his role as head of the house to fight with a different strategy not with pills or drops or vials or medications but by the spirit of the living god and so i feel the spirit right now
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, we all are, man. Yeah. I'm oh, getting you. tears right now. Oh,
0: thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to really, we to hold back. Oh, man. So, um,
1: Ooh,
0: yeah, let's take a little break. <laughs> let so, say thank you, Lord. Let's get some air.
1: We're so thankful for you, God. Oh. Who would we be without you? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, man. Praise God for Jackson. Jesus. Praise God for Steve. Thank you for their family. <laughs> We can share this testimony today for the healing that you want to give to people.
0: Stand against the lies. Yes, yeah. yeah, God. Thanks for coming so powerfully oh, on God just came. Stephen Jackson's family. And oh. thank you for coming so powerfully right now oh on Jackson Jesus. and animating his tongue. Speak your truth. Oh my goodness. Deliver your words. Oh Jesus. To us and to our listeners. We just love you so much, God. Jesus. Oh thank you, goodness. Goodness. thank you for your goodness. You knew this day was coming, Jesus. Thank you
1: for all the work, all the preparation. Yeah, let's try to get through this, man. Uh, <laughs> it's important. Yes. Oh my goodness, God's presence is so. It's...
0: This is such a joy at the same time. <laughs> such a joy. <laughs> Right. This is like the most beautiful, <laughs> painful suffering to get through uh, this. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, like, oh, Jesus! Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh yeah. this is like climbing Everest with you two. You know, uh, all, you get to the top, and it's like, oh my gosh, we are going to be bound uh, together forever.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's all worth it. <laughs> it's all worth it. Yeah, <laughs> haven't even reached the best part yet. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: man. We're like at base oh, camp right now oh, again
2: <laughs> okay our god is the
1: lion the lion of Judah is roaring
2: with power and fighting in our battles and every knee will bow before him our god